Welcome to A Life Lived Backwards, One Man's Life, the accompanying podcast to Larry Ruttman's memoir, A Life Lived Backwards, an existential triad of friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation. Hi there, I'm Jordan Rich with a pretty easy task and a fun one at that. I pose questions to Larry and with that razor sharp memory of his and a great talent for storytelling, well, you just have to settle back and enjoy the ride. Welcome back. Always a pleasure to get into conversation with this man. Larry Rutman and I have had a lot of fun and we continue to have fun because memory is so sharp and so wonderful and so storytelling on your part. So let's get back to some of the uh, voices of Brookline. And one is still very much active in the state of Massachusetts, uh, counting our money, the treasurer, Deb Goldberg. She is very active. And, you know, um, as I tell about Deb Goldberg and a little later about Paul Epstein, who's Theo Epstein's brother, twin brother. Mm -hmm. Um, So Deb Goldberg, um, you have to remember that when I wrote Voices of Brookline, my first book, that was published in 2005. So the interviews of these people, um, some I've interviewed later a second time, um, but most of the ones in Voices of Brookline go back to that time, which is now almost 20 years ago. It's hard to believe that time passes so fast. But it, they're very interesting because um, you see the characteristics of these people that have that have carried them to the present day. Like Deb Goldberg at that time, I think she might have been the chair of the Brookline Selectman, select person, whatever you want to call it, then it was probably called the Selectman. Since then, it's now Select Person. That's one change. And at that time, she was a local politician and not a state politician. And who knows what's to follow. So that um, I think these are sort of um, instructive, if not instructive, maybe that's the wrong word, uh, certainly uh, sort of predict or tell us how these people developed. In Deb Goldberg's case, she comes from a very foremost family on both sides. Uh, the, um, I think the families, uh, the Rabs, who are very well known in the Boston area, and also the, when the Rabs were the stop and shop, mm-hmm. and the Goldbergs, um, you know, very well known judge, uh, Judge Goldberg uh, from that time and since deceased. And uh, But before I get into the family stuff, let me talk about Sawyer and Molly. Uh, and uh, we probably ought to talk about uh, her present dog. She's a great lover of dogs. And Lois and I are great lovers of dogs. Now, Lois, as I've said before, is a dog whisperer. Hmm. She can actually speak to a dog and the dog understands. And I think I've mentioned about how she saved puppy's life. Nobody thought she was going to live, and Puppy completely recovered. But anyway, when I interviewed Deb Goldberg, I think at the old studio of uh, Local Access TV in Brookline, she came with her dog. She came with uh, Sawyer. And the picture of her in the book shows her sitting with Sawyer in her lap. And Sawyer was in her lap for the whole interview. What kind of uh, dog do you remember? It was a small black dog. Okay. Maybe a terrier of some description. All right, all right. And at that time, the dog that Lois and I had was Molly. Now, Molly was uh, the uh, standard poodle, white, beautiful, royal, uh, in the sense that uh, she seemed not only to tower above other dogs in stature, 
but also in the way she carried herself like uh, she was an exceptional dog. I think she had a great sense of who she was, a very bright dog. I used to take walks with her around Brookline and loved to be with her and loved her passionately. So that uh, those were the two dogs we had at that particular time. And on that program, uh, the TV interview that led to the story in Voices of Brookline, we talked about we talked about those dogs. And um, so, uh, as I say, Debbie came from uh, Deb comes from these two sides of her family, and those families were active in community affairs, family affairs, Jewish. Uh, interests. Um, they were great business people, and the both families would spend a lot of time together, not only in Brookline, and, but also they had places on Cape Cod. So that um, you were always reading about the Rabs and uh, especially and the Goldbergs. A lot of uh, buildings and hospitals are named after this family, these families, because they're so generous. Uh, That is absolutely true. And I don't think, you know, uh, the person who said this to me shall go nameless, but uh, in his opinion, she didn't have a great future. Um, But uh, that person was totally wrong because um, Deb Goldberg had the idea from the very beginning and because of the influence of her family, that uh, she should be in public affairs in Brookline. Very proud of Brookline, very proud of the town and the people it produced. So it was totally natural for her to run for town meeting and later for select person. And um, so she did. And uh, I think at that time, maybe she was just a town meeting member and maybe not yet a select person, but I'm not quite sure of that. But she had a passion for Brookline. I don't know that it was in her mind to run for higher office at that time. But since that time, her success in Brookline was notable in her any role she took. And ultimately, as you just said, she became the treasurer of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. But and I, th- I thought that maybe she'd be running when it opened up, uh, when uh, the governor announced uh, that he was not going to run for governor that she might want to run for governor. Yeah, that, that's that's an interesting thing about politicians. Some of them get settled into a particular position and don't seem to want to move from that position. Remember Crane, Robert Crane? Very well. Uh, who was the state treasurer for decades, it seems. That's right. And he was very content to stay right there or secretary of state uh, uh, in Massachusetts, Galvin. But she's a very nice person and very communicative. Uh, I've done interviews with her on air to talk about treasury-related issues. She's very forthcoming. Yeah, forthcoming. And and, and uh, uh, not only that, um, she is fascinated with her job. And I think that, uh, you know, when you run for office, it's a, that, that uh, you really got to be ready for a lot of things that happen as a candidate that don't happen after you're elected. Um, and I think that, um, I think that she'd have an opponent in the present Secretary of State that would be I, who hasn't said that she's going to run for the office of governor, but if she did, she'd be a tough opponent. Uh, oh, you mean the uh, attorney general, I think? Is that who you mean? Yeah, Healy. Maura Healy, right. Yeah, Maura. Doing some local politics here. With and I folks. think Maura is a great, uh, you know, I think she's done great work. 
some people criticize it, but politicians are always open for criticism. But I think Maura Healy has been a terrific uh, attorney general. What else can you can you talk about in terms of family, this family? Well, um, she's married to a guy named Winter. Uh, they, she lives uh, in Brookline, um, not too far from where we live, but she lives up on Fisher Hill. I, you know, I, uh, well, I, her father, uh, his um, Avram, A-V-R-A-M, mm-hmm. he was a bunkmate, uh, if not a bunkmate, uh, a campmate of mine when I went to camp. I think it was a Camp Wingo. And Avram uh, was very active uh, in uh, Jewish affairs. But I think that her mother was her role model, Carol. In the Stop and Shop family, Carol was extremely successful as a woman, knew who she was, um, gave no quarter, um, and uh, achieved great success at Stop and Shop. And um, as I, I think that uh, Carol not only ran the business, but um, her daughter, uh, Debbie, looked to her for guidance and I think it uh, was a real key to not only the rise of Debbie, um, but also <laughs> her love of dogs. Because Deb tells a story that when she was like, I don't know, 10 or 12 years old, uh, another family thought that they should give Carol a dog. And they, they gave Carol a dog, and Carol really took to that dog and so did Deb, and I think that was the beginning of her love of dogs. Now, I talked, uh, I might mention there was, uh, that Deb was very active in the so-called Green Dog Program in Brookline, and she saw that not only as a place where people who didn't have a place to run their dogs could, could use, you know, town greens and parks and things like that, but she saw it as, she saw the people who owned dogs. By that time, she thought people who owned dogs were special people. She often found them to be people of intelligence and uh, giving. And, um, and I think that's true. If you're, if you're a pet owner, it, in order to be a successful pet owner, you have to be a giving person. And um, she th- saw these people as being people who should be drawn into community, and ultimately into town government. She saw these people as folks that she wanted to see be active in Brookline because they could bring uh, community and, uh, and their abilities into town government. After all, Brookline is a town meeting form of government, still is, not a, not a city government with a council and a town manager or whatever they call them. So that um, it's uh, it's an unusual uh, situation where democracy still rules the day. So that um, the name of that dog that uh, was brought into into uh, t- uh, uh, her mother Carol's life and Debbie's life was named Monty, and the Green Dog Program I think is still successful. My own mm-hmm. wife Lois made many friends bringing her dog down to. Still Street Playground, which was where, um, which is where John Kennedy and Charles Kickham, who was a very successful lawyer in Brookline and ultimately the president mm-hmm. of the Massachusetts Bar Association, used to 
play baseball when they were both uh, choir boys at uh, St. Aidan's Church, which was the church of the Kennedys and the church of the um, Kickhams, long since gone, now condos. So that um, I think that uh, Deb Goldberg has a had a deep stake right from the beginning in uh, in Brookline life and um, understands that and has said to me and this when I interviewed her that there are certain core values in Brookline that are central to how we live in Brookline. But she also, even at that point, almost 20 years ago, questioned whether those core values could remain in the communications revolution, which was under underway by that time. Well, you wouldn't be surprised that Deb would be optimistic about that because, as she said, you know, Brookline people are interested in the world. And she said, well, there's a lot of condo living that wasn't there before, which to some extent detracted from small-town life, um, as does the affordable housing movement, which was underway at that time, which we need. But that despite that, uh, the central idea of Brookline still existed to a highly significant uh, effect and uh, would survive the changes made by the mm. communications revolution. So that... Um, well, Larry, let me ask you this. Would you say that of, of the people you know in public life and politics, and you know Deb per, personally, that she would be a, a, a model in terms of giving back, doing public service. I mean, there's no lack of financial security in her life. She's made the effort. She continues to work. No scandal. Everybody, everybody trusts this person as a public servant. Isn't that ideally what we'd like to see more people do when they run for office, the right kind of people? Well, absolutely. Like I, you know, there's a, um, there was a small amount of money that, um, that was in Lois's account for her retirement, uh, you know, whatever they call it, uh, and uh, it was invested through Schwab. And because of some thing in the state statute, Schwab, without notifying us, turned it over uh, as, as an S-cheat that's a legal term, meaning it was turned back to the state. And the first we knew about that was when, you know, the big columns that appear in the newspaper yes. of money that – what? So the, our name was in there. And so I made an application uh, maybe a couple of years ago to recover that money from the state. So got no reply to that. So I was in a email conversation just in the last couple of weeks with Deb, and I told her that. And she said, well, just, you know – is there anything that can be done about that? Because I've never had a response. Well, she told me how to get a response and who to write to and stuff mm -hmm. like that, you know, with particularity as to how to do it. Not just a put-off, but... Right, uh, right, right. Which I haven't done because I've been so busy with some other stuff. But yes, in answer to your question, I think she would be that kind of a person. I think that she's developed and developed and developed. And whether she stays in the particular office she's in... Whether she ultimately seeks a higher office, I think she's uh, come to a point where, as you suggest, she's not, she's, you know, no scandal, not in it for the money, is in it to do the right thing. If I can use that expression, yeah, I think she would. Another example of a fine voice from Brooklyn that you've highlighted in the book 
and we just highlighted her here. So we've got more to do, but that's a very nice tribute. Yeah, well, when I read her story, Jordan, I, you know, as I said before, I was really, I was really how, I uh, really uh, quite uh, uh, touched by the prescient quality of the story about what would unfold in the unknown future of 20 years. Great stuff. We will return with more salutes to some of these people who have made a difference when uh, Larry and I come back. Thank you, my friend. Well, then my pleasure, Jordan, as always. This has been a life lived backwards, one man's life. The accompanying podcast to Larry Ruttman's memoir, A Life Lived Backwards, an existential triad of friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation. You can subscribe and download this podcast, available on all podcast platforms. For information on Larry, his books, lectures, and much more, visit the website LarryRutman.com. Also check out the extensive Larry Rutman page on Wikipedia. This is Jordan Rich inviting you to join us again next time as Larry shares more stories about friendship, inquisitiveness, and maturation on A Life Lived Backwards, One Man's Life.